Morning, everyone. There's empty seats around here if anybody wants to move. No, fine. Right, good to see you. Um, I'm Colin. I have the privilege of leading the team here at Gateway. If I've not met you before, can I just um, add my greetings to you? It's great to have you here. This morning, we are going to finish off Daniel. We're kind of going to do a, um, a skimmer stone across chapters 10 to 12 without really even skimming a stone. Right? There's two things just this morning I feel I want to point us to from Daniel 10 to 12. Um, but I want us to come and pray in a moment. I feel like the message of Daniel leads us to a point as God's people where we see that we are called to engage faithfully with the world. As those who know God, as those who know this incredible gift of salvation that we've just heard about. And so I'd love us to pray, particularly in light of um, the Manchester attack this last week. I feel it's right that we as God's people stand up and cry out to God. I feel also I'd love us to pray in a moment for the elections that are imminent and to ask God that his will would be done through these elections. And as the church, I feel we have a really important part to engage in prayer on behalf of our nations, our nation and the nations that we represent. Absolutely. And then I'd love us to pray for, I have a friend um, from our family of churches, regions beyond a guy called Gurmeet, and he's in the north of India, and I'd love us to pray for him a little later too. Their, their church is um, facing persecution, and Donna just sent through a text message this morning saying, um, Gurmeet asked that the churches would pray for them as they were, had been told they were going to face persecution this morning. I messaged him, and he said, say we're going to pray for you, and he said, um, there was no persecution, everything went smoothly, and in fact we had 10 visitors, which is great. But nonetheless, the context for them is genuinely one of persecution and um, threats of violence. And so I'd love us, as the people of God, to pray in a moment, to raise our voices, to cry out to God together. The, I hope as we've gone through Daniel, we've kind of got this big, broad sweep of the message of Daniel that... In spite of all these earthly kingdoms that are coming and going, that are here for a moment, some seem to last for a long time, but each kingdom that comes is gone ultimately. Each empire that rises is here for a season, and when you're stuck in the middle of it, particularly if it's a a place of a kingdom or an empire that is cruel and evil to its core, it can seem like it's there for all eternity, like it's unshakable. But the message of Daniel is that every kingdom will come and go and will crumble. Even leaders that look like they have all the power and all the will to do whatever they want, whatever harm to people, God's people, humanity, it can feel at times like, God, is, is this ever going to change? Are these circumstances ever changing? But the message of Daniel is kingdoms come and kingdoms go. Kingdoms rise and kingdoms fall. In fact, God establishes kingdoms for a season and then he is the one who causes their demise. And in our world, we can, we can kind of feel like some of us are worried that the, the united kingdom might break up. Ah. <gasps> What if the United Kingdom was to break up? Well, newsflash, the United Kingdom will one day break up. It might be next year, it might be in a hundred years, who knows, but it is not a kingdom that will stand forever. It really is not that united a kingdom. That doesn't mean we don't love this place where we live and we seek to serve it and pray for it, for its peace and prosperity, because that's good for us as citizens and good for the gospel. But nonetheless, 
Every kingdom comes and goes, but there is a kingdom, Daniel tells us. One kingdom that is not formed by human hands. It's not made of an earthly king or emperor or ruler or politician who, who puts out their message, who, who gives their, um, here's what I'm going to do for you subjects, who sets their stall out claiming to have the interests of people at heart, but really unable to fulfill many of those promises and pledges. This kingdom that will be established is a kingdom that comes from heaven. And we're told at the beginning of Daniel, aren't we, this this kingdom will be formed by a stone that's that's taken, but not from a human hand, not from a human hand. A heavenly hand takes this stone and, and rolls it, and it comes, and it crashes into the kingdoms of the world. And this stone that's been cut out by a non-human hand, by the hand of heaven, f- grows and fills the whole earth. And there is a kingdom that is growing and is filling the earth, and it's the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And this kingdom has citizens called the church. And as we've seen, we're saints. We're ones who are deeply loved by God. We, we are cherished and prized by God, not because of anything that we've done that's right. We've just heard that. It's sheer grace that we've been brought into this kingdom as citizens. In fact, not just citizens that relate to a king, but children of God. Brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ, who is the true king. And this kingdom is filling the whole earth. That's the trajectory of human history. Is that one day this kingdom will fill the whole earth as the waters cover the sea. One day every tribe, tongue, nation, people, group, every language will, will have encountered the good news of Jesus Christ. And there will be those who've responded to this good news and said, I'm stepping out of the kingdom of the world, the kingdom of darkness, and into this kingdom of light from every tribe, tongue, and nation, and people group. That's what Jesus has done as we, as we heard that he's, he gave his body, his, his blood, his life as a sacrifice for many from every, every ethnicity. And he's gathering a people together for himself. And we will be saints. We will be people of this kingdom of God for all eternity. That's the trajectory of human history. That's where it's going. And in the midst of this history, we're told through Daniel that there will be many, many turbulent times. Both just as citizens of earthly kingdoms. Because these earthly kingdoms really operate like beasts. They're not setting out to, to honor God and to establish the kingdom of God. They're serving themselves. In fact, they become subjects of serving evil ultimately. And we're told that these kingdoms are like beasts, but this kingdom of Jesus will come and crush these kingdoms ultimately, and his kingdom will be established forevermore. But in the midst of that, we suffer moments of persecution and hardship and famine and ridicule as the people of God in particular. This shouldn't surprise us. I'm sure you heard about the, um, the Egyptian Christians that were killed on a bus earlier this week. That should drive us to pray for peace for Egypt. For the church to shine like stars in a black night sky of, of a desperate situation. But it shouldn't surprise us that these things take place. And, and so, so the message of Daniel is there is one kingdom that's being established for all eternity. It's the kingdom of Jesus Christ, which is a kingdom of righteousness, justice, and peace. It's one of joy, unimaginable. It's one of eternal life where there's no more sickness, pain, and suffering. 
where sin is removed forevermore. And, and when you think of the um, John who had the revelation and he's wrestling through, he's given a vision of what this eternal kingdom, new heavens and new earth with we're living on an earth like this with God right at the center, Jesus present amongst us, and we're worshiping him and living life in its real life, its true life. It's not this floaty thing we're heading to, it's true life where there's no more hardship and pain, no more famine and nakedness, and no more offerings for people who are in desperate situations just for a, a morsel to eat that they might live another day. That will be banished forevermore. And it's a, um, the trajectory of history because Jesus' kingdom is filling the earth is one of hope. It's one of redemption. Jesus is making all things new in our generation also. And, and the message of Daniel is that therefore as saints, as people of this kingdom, citizens of this kingdom, we are called to live faithful lives in our generation. Faithful lives in a number of directions. One, we're called to live faithful lives in the midst of persecution and suffering that we remain true and faithful to the gospel. And maybe for some of us that might not be true, although increasingly there, are, there is persecution and ridicule for being a follower of Jesus in our nation. Secondly, we're called to remain faithful to the gospel, to not depart from it, to say, hey, we believe in this living word. We believe that our, this shapes how our lives are to be lived, and this is what God's plan is for all humanity, and therefore we want to give our lives and say, God, help us to align our lives with your truth. We're to remain faithful to the message of the gospel, this good news of the kingdom of Jesus. And we're to remain faithful to the mission that Jesus has given his church, which is to bring the glory of God to cover the whole earth as the waters cover the sea. As the message of the kingdom of Jesus Christ goes out, people will respond to it in one of two ways. They'll either hate it and hate you because you've told them this good news concerning King Jesus, or they'll embrace it and love it and it will be fragrance and life-giving to them. And we're called to remain faithful to being Ministers of reconciliation, the Bible calls us. Those who say, we've got a message that reconciles you who's broken from God, cut off from the promises of God, back to your heavenly Father in whose image you're made, that he loves you and is for you. He's not against you. And we're called to go and tell the world this news concerning Jesus Christ. And maybe our generation might be the generation to finish that task. It's possible. But maybe we won't be faithful and we say, hey, we haven't got to worry about that too much. Let's just make sure we have a nice Sunday morning. Let's just make sure that somebody's caring for me. That I'm, I've got more friends in church than I had before. Maybe, maybe the, 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 the passion of the gospel's grown somewhat faint and dim in your life in recent years. And you don't know why. And, and your love for Jesus has just ebbed and ebbed. And you kind of do sort of the Christian thing. Except you know it's not really because... The love of God isn't surging in your life. Yet the message of Daniel says, come on, remain faithful. So just two things, literally two things. I just want to point out to you. How will we remain faithful? In Daniel 10, he sees a, a vision of a man by a river. And he says this, on the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, the Tigris, I looked up and there before me was a man dressed in linen. Who were the men that were dressed in linen? The priests in Leviticus. They were the ones that were dressed in linen. The priests that served between people and God. And, and Daniel sees a vision of a man dressed in linen. With a belt of fine gold from Uphaz 
around his waist. His body was like topaz, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and his voice like the sound of a multitude. If you know your Bible at all, you'll you'll see the echo of in Revelation 1 when John receives a vision of heaven and he sees a similar man stood before him. And you know there's just one difference in, well, there's slight differences, but there's one main difference in, in John's vision of Jesus. And this burnished bronze figure looks like one that's glowing. This bronze is glowing because it's passed through a furnace. Hey, didn't Jesus, haven't we just heard that Jesus passed through the furnace, even of death, for us? And the, and the revelation that, that John sees is, wow, he's, he's gone through the trial. He's gone through death, no less, and he's come out victorious. How are we going to remain faithful? Well, we need to see that Jesus has conquered. That he is seated at the right hand of the Father. That when we look at Jesus, our strength comes to us and we say, it is finished because he's declared it finished. Because he's done all that is needed. And Daniel encounters this guy and, he's, and he goes weak before this guy. The same as John, when John saw this, this figure, this man dressed in linen, he went weak before him. He trembled. Jesus is not just matey to you. He is God Almighty. He is all-powerful, all-knowing. He knows the beginning from the end. He is the beginning and the end. He is the way, the truth, and the life that we've just heard. He is holy, holy, holy. And Daniel's trembling before him. And he says this, A hand touched me and set me me trembling on my hands and knees. And then this, this person who appears to Daniel, this man who appeared to him, said this, Verse 12, do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard and I have come to respond to them. Again, Daniel's given that reassurance. As you seek God, he hears your prayer. Hey, church, as we seek God and pray in just a moment, he hears your prayer. From the very first day that you begin to speak to him, God is listening. He loves to hear you. Prayer doesn't have to be this this pious act. It's not about that. It's about a relationship with your living heavenly father who hears and loves to answer his children. He's already given you the very best he can give you and giving you his one and only begotten son. You don't think he's going to answer prayer as we cry out to him? You don't think he's concerned about your plight, about your need, about just life, about his purposes, about what's taking place in this nation right now? He knows and he cares and he is quick to respond. He is listening. He is not disinterested. He's not a God who's interested in his thing and nothing else. He's concerned himself with his people. And Daniel is struck by this man that he encounters. This man in verse 16 came and touched his lips. And Daniel began to speak. And he says, I feel overcome. I feel very weak. How can I, your servant, talk with you, my Lord? How can I, how can I, 
Somebody who's a sinner, as we just heard. Somebody who's, 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 who once hated God. How on earth can I talk to God? How on earth can I have that kind of relationship with him where, God, are you really interested? Yes, he's really interested in you. He really says, come and talk to me. In fact, he longs that you talk to him. He longs that you give your life to him and you pour your life out on him and say, God, I feel like I'm just nowhere right now. Well, God is interested. And he says, come and tell me that. Come and tell me. And I'll strengthen you. How does he strengthen you? Listen to this. Again, Daniel said, my strength is gone. I can hardly, I can hardly breathe. Again, the one who looked like a man touched me and gave me strength. How are the people of God going to remain faithful to the message of Jesus, to carrying this gospel, even under persecution? Because we need an encounter with the living God. We need to be touched by the living God afresh, even today. It's not, it really isn't based on when you first believed. It's right now today, where are you in faith and life? Is Jesus Lord and Saviour? Or are you just saying, no, you're, you're, you're saviour, thank you, but I'm still Lord. Because if he is, then something is drastically wrong. You can't have Jesus as a saviour and not also as Lord. And so I, I just want to call us to be a people who encounter God afresh and say, you truly are my saviour and you truly are my Lord. After Daniel was touched by this man and given strength, the man said to him, do not be afraid, you who are highly esteemed. And you can listen to that from last week, that sense of you are deeply loved. You are coveted, Daniel. You are prized. Heaven rejoices and loves you. Just want you to hear that this morning. You are loved, church. You're deeply prized. Heaven rejoices over you. Heaven covets you. God is jealous for you, his people. And so when a moment ago, you might say, but it, I don't feel it. It's really, please don't let, when it comes to faith and your relationship with God, be, a, be an issue of your emotions and your feelings. Because I don't know about you, but I know my feelings are, are like the waves of the sea. Up and down, up and down. Every day, every minute of the day. My emotions go all over the place. And if we, if we say, well, it depends how I feel then half the time your heart is going to be lying to you and your mind will be lying to you and you say, well, I feel like God's not with me right now. Therefore, I'm, how can I be loved? But no, as we heard a moment ago, God works all things together for those whom love and are called. God works all things together for those who are loved. That emotional heart response to this good news of Jesus. Hey, we love him because he first loved us. And he loves us perfectly without any up and downness. He just is love and he loves you. But our hearts go up and down, but are called according to his purpose. Hey, so the days when your heart feels all over the place and anywhere but close to God, remember, saint, that you are called. You are called. You've been called out of the world and into his kingdom. You've been called a child of God. You've been called into this precious gift of salvation, which is free in Christ Jesus. What a privilege. And he said, peace, be strong now, be strong. When he spoke to me, I was strengthened. Speak, my Lord, since you have given me strength. 
We need a touch of the encounter of God. The Holy Spirit coming and breathing on us again. Filling us afresh. Are you seeking, are you expecting the presence of the Spirit in your life? Are you learning to drink daily from the presence of the Spirit? Jesus says, doesn't he, come drink those of you who are thirsty. And from within your inmost being, streams of living water will flow from you. Hey, when was the last time you just said, Holy Spirit, not on a Sunday morning, not as we gather together like this, just on a Tuesday afternoon when you've just had an awkward meeting at work and you feel a bit drained and a bit frustrated and I wasn't saying about Tuesday, by the way, Nigel. <laughs> and you just feel like, oh, I, I, I don't know the answer to this. And say, Holy Spirit, would you come and fill me afresh? We need to be touched by the Spirit, filled by the Spirit. Empowered by the Spirit, but also we need to hear the voice of God. When he spoke to me, I was strengthened. When he spoke to me, how does God speak to us? Through his living word. We need to be people of the book. We need to be gathering together and saying this is truth and life. He speaks to you every time you give yourself to the word of God. He's speaking to you. Oh God, would you give us ears to hear what you're saying? to us? Would you give us understanding and insight into what you're doing? He speaks to us through one another. We are encouragers of one another. We have the spirit of God in us, the mind of Christ, we're told. It doesn't always feel like that, but together as the church, we really do. And so when one's struggling, it's right that another comes along and says, hey, I want to remind you of what God is like. I'm going to pray with you. You're, You're struggling right now. You haven't got faith for that situation, but I have. I've seen God break in before and it's right that the church crosses the room and builds up and comes underneath one another like an elevator of grace and lifts one another up. Says, come on, God is for you. And if God is for you, who can be against you? Well, it turns out all kinds of things can be against you. If this world is to go, if this world is anything to go by, except that there's a true story that this kingdom and the things that are against you now are just temporary. Who can be against you? Well, really no one because God is for you. And he is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I'm just going to finish with this and then we're going to pray. The rest of Daniel really is a, is a look at the end times. A look at the, at the ending of this age that we are in. And Daniel's given visions and understanding and insight into events that must take place before the end comes. And... I'm just going to jump right across that this morning. Because we know, not for any reason other than there are, there are, many, um, there are many things that we could just spend hours and hours and hours on talking about the end of this age. About things that must take place. And the church, it doesn't matter, please don't think I'm not, I'm not saying we should never talk and think through these things. We really must. But the church oftentimes get so tangled in what is going to happen at the end. But the message of Daniel is kind of like this. God is saying, yes, these things must take place. But the end will come. And you, Daniel, don't get so consumed with these end things. I'm, I'm telling you these things so you're aware that they must take place. But, but consume yourself with the fact that the end is coming. Set your heart in eternity. Not on things of this earth. Be aware there will be kingdoms that rise up and rulers that rise up that are anti-God and anti-the people of God. 
Know that these things happen so that when they happen, you don't think I've abandoned you. I've told you these things so that you can have wisdom in the age that you live. Know know these things to take place, but, but be more concerned that the end is coming. In Daniel 12, we're given this incredible, incredible promise. We're told there will be a time of distress, such as has not happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. Whose name is written in the book? Well, those who've received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Again, not because of anything we've done, but because of his great mercy. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake. Some to everlasting life and others to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever. I wonder how wise you feel this morning. Who are the wise? Well, the wise are the saints, not because we're not cleverer than anybody else. We don't have more intellect than anybody else. In fact, the church is made up of many foolish people, really. We're not the wise, we're not the proud, we're not the rich. We're just ordinary men and women, young and old from different nations, who've encountered the love of Jesus Christ. Who are the wise? Well, we're told right back at the beginning of Daniel that wisdom is given by God. Who are the wise? The wise are those who've received wisdom from heaven. And therefore understand how to live in an age just like ours. And the message in Daniel 12 is, how long will it be before these things happen? How long will it be before the end comes? How long will this distress continue for? How long will kingdoms rise and fall and rise and fall and rise and fall for? And Daniel is told this, it will be for a time, times, and half a time. And this is one of those points where we have to remember this is figurative language, is symbolic Many people get really caught up in this. If you've ever read the Left Behind series, it's not even good fiction. I read them. Um, This really isn't about a secret number. John Calvin, I think, got this right when he said, well, a time is a long time. Times is an even longer time. And half a time is that it will come to an end. How long will it be until Christ returns? Well, church, settle in for the long haul. Live faithful lives. Pray for those who are being persecuted. Go and share this good news of of Jesus Christ. Live faithfully to it. With all your life, shape your life around him, and then the end will come. It's going to take longer than you think, but it's going to come swift, like a thief in the night. And we're to live aware. We're to live knowing that, gosh... How long is this age of the Spirit between Pentecost and Christ's return going to last for with this tribulation? Well, it's going to last for a long time, a longer time, and then the end's going to come. And the fact that we have been told the end will come, it's going to be half a time, should strengthen us. It's when we hear promises like that, we say, come, Lord Jesus, and may we help speed your return. And so we're going to pray right now. If you'd like to stand, if the band would come back to the stage.
The reason, uh, one of the things I've been struck by as I've been listening to all the election talk and the Vox Pop interviews with people on the street, the thing that has struck me is the self-centered way that people are choosing who to vote for. And I, I understand that. People are saying, I'm voting because I'm, I'm concerned about my interests, so I'm, as an older person, voting based on my interests, and younger people are voting based on their interests. The problem is, if we live in a world of self-interest, is we end up in an incredible mess. And Jesus came, and he gave over his interests. He laid his interests down for the sake of you and I. And we, church, are to do likewise. And the reason that we can do likewise is because we love because God first loved us. It's not something that we have to work hard to do. It should be a response of the Christian heart. Jesus loves the world. His passion through the ages, so do we. And because of this, at the end of Daniel chapter 12, right at the end of the book of Daniel, he says this. Daniel's told this. As for you, Daniel, go your way till the end. You will rest and then the end of days, and at the end of the days, you will rise to receive, receive your allotted inheritance. Hey, saint, there will be a day when you die, unless Jesus returns. But at the end of the days, you'll be, you'll be raised to resurrection life. Bodily resurrection. Just like Jesus. Living on a new heaven and a new earth. This is the end of the story. Therefore, we can give ourselves to serving this world. To serving the king above all kings and his kingdom and seeing it come. And so we should be strengthened in faith. That as we pray right now, as we pray for those who are struggling, suffering, persecuted. As we pray for the gospel to go out from even amongst us. That God is faithful and he is able to save many. And just, I just want to say to you young people this morning... It could be your generation. It could be your generation that that take the gospel to the ends of the earth. You could really do it in your generation. That you would give yourselves to Jesus for his glory with your lives. That your whole life would be shaped not around popularity, not around the things of this world, but around the things of the kingdom of God, righteousness, justice. Hope, peace, joy. And if you were to give yourselves wholeheartedly to the purposes of God in your generation, the end could come in your generation. You could see Christ return. What a privilege for that generation. And maybe right now you're thinking, I don't know where I am with Jesus. I want to, I want to implore you, would you give your heart to him afresh? And I'm sorry to embarrass you in front of everybody, but, but this is life and death. This is eternal things. This isn't about church. This is about the kingdom of God being established. The church is the expression of those who've responded to the gospel as it's gone out. And I I pray for you right now. Can can we just raise our hands to our young people? I'm really sorry to embarrass you guys, but we pray for you that you will be strengthened in faith. That just like Daniel, you would encounter a touch of the Holy Spirit this summer. This summer, there would be a summer where you encounter the Holy Spirit and you say, I I was just doing my own thing and then the Holy Spirit came and encountered me. He encountered me. I remember when I was 14 and then 16, there were two summers where I just encountered God powerfully. And I want to pray for you that this summer would be a summer of encounter with the living God and that he would speak to you and that you would be strengthened in faith. 
And we, we, we champion you. We say, come on, run further and faster. Run with abandon for the purposes of God. Give yourself. I pray, even right now as you're thinking, just Colin, shut up and pray for somebody else or do something else. I want to pray that the Holy Spirit would come. And just in the prayer meeting this morning, we were, we, we were reminded of the scripture about the seed that fell on good soil. And I pray that some seed right now might fall on good soil in your hearts and take root and says, I'm desperate to see this kingdom established in my life. Amen. I'd love us to pray. Um, what were the three things I said? Thank you. The government, the persecuted church, and Manchester. Why don't we just start? Let's cry out for our nation. Let's cry. Can I, can I encourage us? We're going to just pray. It's what, it's what the saints do. It's what people of God do. We, we're those who cry out to God in desperation at times. Can I just encourage us? Maybe you want to get into groups of three and four. If you feel uncomfortable praying, that's fine. You're welcome to join in and say nothing, or please feel free to sit down and just say, I'm not involved. That's absolutely fine. But we're going to pray for a few moments. Can I invite us to get into threes and fours? Let's cry out to God for the Manchester attack. Listen, we don't hate people. We don't have that privilege. It's not a privilege anyway, but we're not allowed to go there. We're called to love people. In fact, we're called to love enemies. And so we're going to cry out to God. We're going to cry out for our Muslim friends. That the gospel, this good news, might come like light into the darkness and bring transformation of whole communities. That where terrorist cells, even in the UK, are planning evil and hatred, that the gospel might break in through dreams and visions. We're going to pray for those families who've been caught up and devastated and lives completely changed, that the gospel would also be their hope. That Jesus would come and reveal his grace and mercy to them. Can we pray that there's often two responses at these kind of things. One is a, a spirit of defiance that comes out. And one is a spirit of hatred and fear. Can we pray that a spirit of love and grace envelops this nation? It's what it needs. is a touch of God. Love and grace is a, is, a, is, a, is a thing from the kingdom of heaven. And it's a common grace also. That we are loved by God and that means that he cares and protects us. So can I, can I ask that, that we would be, that, let's pray for ourselves in this, that we would have a voice of love and grace, not of hatred, fear or defiance. Those things aren't the right response. But one of love is. So come on, in twos, threes, fours, let's gather together for a few moments. Let's just cry out to God and then I'll gather us back together.